I'm now joined on the line by a familiar voice on these recordings, Hugh Young of Aberdeen Asset Management. He's the manager of our Far East funds and joins me on the line from Singapore. Hugh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Chris. Hugh, even though you are a very long-established name with the St James's Place partners and clients, perhaps you could remind investors of the approach that's been so successful for you over the longer term. Uh, We're classic long-term fundamental investors. We have a large team in Asia. We've been investing in Asia for many decades now, and we spend a lot of time doing our homework and believe that the best way to make money for our investors is to invest for the long-term and pick the right companies, and that's exactly what we do here in Asia. Now, 2013 has been a a different year for investors. Not only have investors experienced negative returns from from Asian markets, but but clearly they have lagged the other parts of equity markets in the world. I wonder if you could discuss the reasons for that, in your view. Yes, we've had, maybe one could argue, a a long overdue pullback because we've had a, a very strong run from Asia's markets, or maybe one should be more specific and say it's Asia's peripheral markets. And the star in the year has actually been Asia's major market, Japan, which has been such a dullard for so long. But I think when you look at the movement in the smaller Asian markets, it was long overdue for some correction. We were seeing plenty of money coming into them towards the tail end of 2012. And with all the reversals or potential reversals that we've seen in global monetary policies, Some of that money has been uh, understandably pulled out. I don't think much has changed the fundamentals of Asia's markets and the attractions of Asia, however. And we'll talk about the longer term in in due course. And and you mentioned the dullard, possibly perennial dullard of Japan. Your portfolio is currently quite underweight relative to others in the sector. So I think you've got about 24-25% of the fund held in Japanese stocks. I suppose this might surprise some of our investors, given the relative success of the of the Nikkei 225, which, which you just referred to against uh, other Asian markets. I wonder if you could discuss your perspective on the lower allocation and whether anything has changed in your mind in terms of looking at Japanese markets so far this year. Our simplistic reason for not having more in Japan has been that there's been so much more visible, better growth and some very good quality companies dotted elsewhere in Asia. Notwithstanding which, one should remember that Japan is indeed our our biggest allocation within the portfolio. So 25%, as you say, is invested in Japan. That's a major chunk of the portfolio. I think from our point of view, what we're also trying to do is assemble a group of the region's best companies, um, irrespective of geography. That's the longer-term reason that we haven't had more in Japan, which long-term has been the correct way to be. Is Japan changing is the big question mark. And in in one sense, yes, it is. Uh, Mood-wise, it has changed dramatically. And I've just returned from a trip to Japan. And the confidence in the reform process and and the ebullience it's generating um, is quite dramatic. Although one cannot help but feeling that that's because of evidence of change, but not necessarily analysing what particular changes are going, because nothing has happened in Japan for so long. The mere fact that something is happening has been interpreted by many as being a good thing. Arguably, and maybe I'm being too conservative here, one should wait and see how the reforms actually pan out. 
And you talked about the increase in confidence and, and whether Japan is, is changing. What does that mean in terms of the conversations you're having with companies in Japan? Quite a lot, because we're asking what are the implications. And this is where it gets quite interesting as, as, as far as we're concerned. It's not totally clear that the implications are necessarily good for companies, particularly the implications of any detailed reform packages. What we've seen so far has been very similar policies to what we've seen elsewhere in the world. The government essentially opening the floodgates on liquidity, pumping money into the system, and people have thought that's good. And yes, it does have a short-term shot-in-the-arm effect. But what's really more interesting are the more difficult-to-accomplish reforms within Japan, the opening of industries to competition, reform of the agricultural sector, changes in the education and health systems. And at the same time, we have Japan talking about imposing a consumption tax, which will run rather contrary to the policies that they've just introduced, flooding with money. Now, consumption tax will tighten money. So, so I think there is, at the detail level, quite a degree of complexity and quite a degree of unknowns. And as many will be aware, Japan has been a fairly closed country to competition. So if competition comes in, yes, that is a good thing. But is it necessarily a good thing for all Japanese companies? I don't think the answer is clear as yet. And we still have an inclination towards the, the world-class Japanese companies that have proved that they can defend and grow and take market share from their equivalents. And, and those are the familiar Toyotas of this world, Canons and so on, the, the international names. And would you consider that those world-class Japanese companies that you refer to exhibit better corporate governance than, than others in the Japanese market? As a generality, yes. But you've raised a very good point that uh, another reason we've shied away a bit more than one would expect from Japan has been the issue of corporate governance. And one of the fundamental issues we, we, we have in Japan is it's still not automatic that we are admitted to AGMs of companies uh, where we hold shares. So there's some, some, some very basic issues. Which seems extraordinary to, to a listener in the UK, doesn't it? It's horrific. And, and, and this is, does not just apply to us. It applies to the entire community. If, if you hold shares in nominee names, as all investors do, all institutional investors, that is, in Japan, uh, you are not guaranteed a seat at an AGM. Very deeply frustrating. Very interesting. We, we haven't spoken about Japan for some time because it clearly has been a dullard. But but putting to Japan to one side, I suppose in summary, Hugh, 2013 has been a, you know, another fascinating year as, as an investor, and I'm sure even more so in the type of markets that, that you work in. Is there anything that you're seeing that changes your perspective on the positive view that you have on the medium to longer term outlook? Oh, I Absolutely nothing. The potential here in Asia, all of Asia, including Japan, is is absolutely dramatic. We have some fantastic long-term growth stories in Asia, which typically would not include Japan. But within that, if you can do your homework and find the right companies, they're ample rich pickings for, for, for us as investors. Hugh, that's really interesting as ever. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. 
Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.